0: Today on the Zabecast, happy NFL schedule dreaming, a football season has been planned. Now all you have to do is wait five months for it. Is Dan Snyder really a mega dick troll, or is this latest story simply too good to even check if it's true? We've got cheerleaders, email, Starbucks, golf, nerdation, and more! So if you got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Ho ho ho! Friday, April 20th, 2018. Thank you so much for joining me. I missed my chance for Andy Pauly this week, so it is just me on a Friday. I promise I'll do better next week. I told Andy I'll get with his schedule uh, earlier in the week. It snuck up on me. But that's okay, because I think today's show, I think you're going to like it. Speaking of liking it, people had very good reviews and very good feedback on Timmy Time Murray, a.k.a. The Muhlenberg Tower, a, Tower, A.K.A. What other? What are Tim's other nicknames? I don't know, but I I did enjoy having Tim on, and uh, I think Tim is good. I, I like Tim's take on sports, and all we got to do with Tim is just keep you know keep polishing off that sort of knee jerk sensitivity, and he'll be good. He'll be good. So we'll try to work him into the rotation. Plus, he has an ISDN at home, so that automatically makes him. Uh, An A-lister on my show. Uh, Charch is going to join us next week as well. He too has an ISDN home studio. And we're going to talk Fortnite and lots of other stuff. Okay, let's start with this, the Starbucks story. It's had about a week to breathe. I've kind of read a little bit about it. I haven't done a ton of research. I don't think I need to do a ton of research. Oh, yeah, spouting off without the facts. Well, I'm not going to spout off. uh, And I'm not going to make really any broad, I'm not going to make any specific factual assertions on it. I'm just going to, I want to zoom out and give a quick thought on the overall story itself. And I would say if I had to describe the Starbucks story in one word, I would describe it as depressing. It's depressing either way. At the worst, it's depressing that two black men were profiled, singled out, and then arrested, fucking arrested for sitting in a coffee shop and not ordering within 20 minutes. That's depressing if that's exactly what happened for essentially dwb dining while black it's outrageous in 2018 it would be outrageous in 2008 and outrageous 40 years ago at the the at the other end of the spectrum it's quite possible that starbucks was targeted by a well-executed social activism sting in which two guys said you know what i think this would be a good thing we could pull off here watch this we'll go in We'll purposely ask to use the bathroom. We will not buy anything. We'll say we're waiting for a meeting. And then if we end up getting arrested, great. More power to us. We'll be on all the talk show circuits. And and I'm not sure if these two guys will end up, if they haven't already already ended up on the Today Show or Oprah and all these other talk shows. If they want to, oh, trust me, they will be booked on every show in America. And good for them if that's what they want. All I know is my logical brain started to spin as this story came out, which is not how many people react these days. I don't want to say most people, because I don't know most or many, but but a lot of the world now reacts in an emotional knee-jerk way and not in a slow, logical way. My logical brain started to think, well, wait a minute, Starbucks, Starbucks. Starbucks is one of the most wokest corporate entities ever. Based in Seattle. Very liberal, hard-left corporate entity. Why would Starbucks do this? How could they do this? My logical brain started to think, hmm, Starbucks must serve millions of black customers every single day, they must have thousands of black employees, including hundreds of black managers in their stores all over the country. This is the first time I've heard of something like this. All of the overpriced double cap lattes or whatever the fuck they are. I don't drink Starbucks. I don't begrudge those who do. Uh, It's just not my thing. Don't drink coffee. I drink five-hour energy and Diet Coke. I know those are bad for me. Coffee would probably be better. I just never got into it. So nothing against Starbucks, per se, or people that go there, but they must serve millions of black customers every day. I've never heard of this. This is the first time I've heard of this. Is it possible that this was just a misunderstanding? And I guess, is it naive of me to ask, couldn't we just get by with a, you know what, that got out of hand in a hurry. We're sorry it did. It's not our policy We've talked to the people involved, and we'll do better. And leave it at that. Of course not. Not in today's day and age. It's now big to do, and of course Starbucks is going to shut down on like May 29th for an afternoon to have all of their employees go through sensitivity training. Actually, I think training to counteract implicit bias. Oh boy, I'd love to see what that seminar looks like. You couldn't just cycle a handful of employees on their off day through this program so that you don't have to close your store? Well, of course you could, but it doesn't have the PR impact. This is something like, we are willing to forego profits for half a day to take a hit to make sure this will never happen again. And I bet there's some people out there that say, you know, whatever money they lose, slinging expensive coffees through drive-through windows for half a day, Whatever money that they forfeit, they'll make it up in, in goodwill and good publicity. Any pub, pub is good pub, right? And they're doing the right thing. So, okay. It just, it baffles me that simple dialogue could not have sorted this out. Like simp- like the manager simply asking the two gentlemen, uh, are you going to order anything? We're No, we're just here waiting for a meeting. Oh, okay, well... Typically, we have tables reserved for customers, but how long will you be waiting, do you think? And they may say, it shouldn't be long now, another 20 minutes. And the manager couldn't, the manager have said, okay, well, that's fine, but if it's going to be much longer than that, our policy is to order something. Can I get you a coffee? Can I get you a, a tea or something like that? Or a scone? And maybe the two gentlemen could say, okay, well, we understand that. Our guy should be here. We're just going to call him right now. How crowded was the Starbucks? How many times have they kicked somebody else out that might not have been black? Were insults traded? You know, all these things. And then once the police came, how come simple dialogue couldn't sort that out? Uh, Gentlemen, uh, we're going to have to ask you to leave if you're not going to order anything. Why? We're waiting for a meeting. Well, it's their policy, so can we wait outside and then once our guy is here, come back in and sit down if he orders something? Talk it out, people. Jesus. Is it legal to require purchasing an item to use the bathroom? I know a number of stores have this policy, especially in big cities. I would assume it's legal because I've never seen anyone say they've struck down the law struck down that they've struck down the law that says you must buy something to use our shitter what are the limits to private a private entity like a restaurant or a coffee shop policing its own store and restaurant surely a white homeless guy stinking and disheveled panhandling inside a starbucks is going to be kicked out 100 out of 100 times and i would say nobody would complain about it But what now about a black homeless guy coming in and panhandling? How will that get treated? How about this? How about a black guy in a business suit, nice, crisp, clean business suit, looks uh, dashingly handsome like Idris Elba, yet he is soliciting customers to buy life insurance from him? Table to table, very politely. Uh, Hello, sir. Uh, My name is uh, Randolph Jenkins, and I am with Aetna Insurance... Hey, man, I'm just trying to drink coffee and send some emails. Could you please not do that? Would that guy get kicked out? And if that guy does get kicked out, is it going to cause a giant shitstorm? Certainly you can't sleep at a Starbucks, right? Like full-on lay down on a booth bench and just sleep. Even if you buy a coffee and sleep. Whether you're homeless or not. Maybe you're just tired from pulling an all-nighter. Nobody wants to see somebody sleeping at a Starbucks. Okay, what if you're just kind of leaning back, head against the wall after an exhausting day at work, and yes, you've bought a coffee, so you're there, quote, legally, but you're like, you're starting to sleep. I would hope they wouldn't call the cops, but you don't know. Can't listen to loud music in Starbucks, right? I mean, you can't just set up a table there, get your Bluetooth JBL supersized portable speaker and then just start cranking tunes certainly there's the no shoes no shirt no service that's enforceable right a lot of future dust-ups i see coming down the road that could be problematic like let's say there's a black customer at starbucks who uh has bought a coffee and he has several bags with me as a you know he's a, he's going to the airport he's got uh, a suitcase on one chair. He's sitting at a four-seat table. He's got a suitcase on one chair. His lap, his uh, laptop bag on a second chair, and he's got his overcoat on a third chair. And he's there sitting, drinking his coffee. Very crowded Starbucks. Another customer comes up and says, "I'm um, sir. Can I, can I use this chair?" And he goes, "No, my bag is on it." Manager is called over. What now? What if there's a black manager who kicks out a Hispanic customer? How do you score that one? Where's the outrage there? I don't know. I did read one of the message boards uh, from somebody that said that they had worked at Starbucks, and Starbucks actually has told its employees, look, we want people to treat our stores as their so-called third place, meaning home, work, Starbucks. One, two, three. One, two, three. And they said that if a customer comes in and wants to chill and use the Wi-Fi and not order anything, fine, let them. Because they may not order on this particular visit to their third place, but they will next time. That's the Starbucks way. We'll get you eventually. You will not be able to resist our delicious smelling coffee. And of course, Starbucks has been embroiled in other controversies over the years. Like the holiday cup controversy. Hey man, what happened to the Christ in Christmas? Your Christmas cups make no mention of the actual holiday. There's a Christmas tree. There is a season's greetings. And there is a a red one. But are you being anti-Christian? That controversy was another one that got people rolling their eyes. Remember the Trump cup controversy at Starbucks? Apparently after the election or during the election, the run-up to it, a number of customers wanted their name they, they would write Trump. They would want the Starbucks to write Trump on their cup and call that out. And one customer insisted that her name was Trump. And so it was you know a big social media kerfuffle of Starbucks refuses to say Trump in stores. The company had to put out a statement saying, Over the years, writing customer names on cups and calling out their names has been a fun ritual in our stores. Rarely has it been abused or taken advantage of. We hope and trust that our customers will continue to honor that tradition. We don't require our partners to write or call out names. So in other words, if you say, okay, I'll have a double cap latte, uh, easy on the, I want soy milk with that. They go, okay, no problem, sir, Uh, and what is your name? Uh, Yeah, it's uh, Ass Munch. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Ass Munch. That's a. Sir, I'm not going to write that on the cup, nor am I going to say that. It's my name. It's my name. I'm buying coffee. I have rights here. (sighs) And it all comes back to one of the great clips of all time, and I'll play it again here. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Fire the black man. Well, because I fired him, that's why. You fired him? He. You fired him? Why, why you fired a black man?
1: I fired the black man <laughs> because he's the guy who set up the whole system here, and it doesn't work. And he's here like... Every and week,
0: I'm honestly, giving them checks. Wonder, we've got five
1: true. remotes. I can't we've turn it on.
0: So many problems. But I them.
1: know, you know, black men can never do anything wrong. Really, I need to Wonder, get fired a from a job. Black people always do everything right.
0: You got to turn the damn satellite on for the TV to work. See the little green light? <laughs> Just got to turn it on. Or you can fire the black man, whatever works for you. Oh, God. It was perfect. That's a perfect scene. Everybody was right. Everybody was wrong in that. It was a simple misunderstanding. you got to turn the satellite on. (laughs) See the green light? So Larry didn't quite know how to use his own equipment. You could arguably say, well, the AV guy that he had hired didn't make it simple enough for the dumb, dumb homeowner. Of course Larry has a right to fire him and get somebody else. And then there's Wanda Sykes who's saying, oh. Fire the black man. And gets all indignant. Larry was indignant. Wanda Sykes was indignant. Nothing was solved. Well, can't we all just get along, people? Let's hope this turns out for the best. I don't know how it could turn out for the best. Let's work harder, everybody, to get along. To talk it out before the goddamn police are called. How about that? So there's a story that came out this week it is of zero importance on the actual sports landscape but it is a interesting story if true and I put that with an asterisk on it to be sure a Redskin fan went on reddit the message board site reddit to say that he had sent an email to the Redskins and to owner Dan Snyder back in the fall saying please sign Kirk Cousins to a long-term deal even if it means making the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Very short, very simple to the point. Several months go by, and the Redskins fan claims he got in the mail from the Redskins, from Redskins Park, a, a piece of uh, mail, which an envelope, which had one thing and one thing only in it, and that was a signed 8x10 photograph of owner Daniel M. Snyder. Now, that's pretty much all the actual proof he has of the exchange. The team has said nothing yet. They probably won't say anything. It could be any number of things. But the assumption and the story that I'm sure anyone who uh, does not like Snyder and doesn't like the Redskins, the story they all want to be true is that this is 100% exactly how it went down. And oh my God, what a fucking dick Dan Snyder is. What a mega douche troll he is. And that might be the case. But there's a lot of different variants that could have also occurred, and let me walk down through them. The the first variant of the story could be this. It could be that this particular fan wrote an email in which he actually asked for an autographed picture of Dan Snyder for whatever reason he wanted. Like, hey, uh, Dan, I'm a fan. I know you're trying hard. I know you've stayed out of the football stuff for the most part these last five, six years. If you don't mind, I'd like a picture of you, signed picture, just because eventually you're going to turn it around. And maybe that fan didn't believe any of that shit, but he just wanted to get that from the Redskins. He was pretending to be a Dan Snyder fan of sorts. And so they go, okay, fine. Then he gets the photo. Because he was either going to put it up on his dartboard or over his toilet or something stupid like that. Or maybe just frame it for ironic purposes down in his man cave. Like, hey, we're 5-11 again, but look at that. I got a signed Dan Snyder photo. Who knows? He could have gotten the photo and then he could have thrown away his original email. And claimed whatever he wanted to claim. Like, all I did was say, to, oh, you'll sign Kirk Cousins. To, you know, this could have been a absolute work to try to embarrass Snyder because of course the media is going to go along with it even if he didn't write that to induce the Redskins to send him that odd single letter uh, or that odd response of just a photo of Dan Snyder autographed you know uh, he could have changed his story afterwards He could have absolutely or or he could have cooked up a new email and printed it out saying, look, here it is. This is the email I sent them. You would have to have some real hard to fake proof of here's the actual exchange. And the Redskins would have had to send back a copy of his original email with a letter saying, "Uh, thank you for your interest in Kirk Cousins. Unfortunately, we had to move on. Please accept this photo of Dan Snyder autographed as a replacement. If you wanted to know exactly what happened, which I don't know if it did or not. It's possible that Dan Snyder never saw this particular email and someone in the you know front office decided on a lark on a silly night after a cocktail to go. Haha, OK, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to send you a picture of this of the owner autographed and maybe the autograph was forged. I don't even know what Dan Snyder's autograph looks like. I'm not sure how many people ask for that autograph every year. Then there's the possibility that, well, was the third possibility. There's lots of different possibilities. And I'm not ruling out the maybe simplest, most straightforward explanation, which is the owner was peeved that people kept hounding him. You should sign Kirk, sign Kirk, sign Kirk, sign Kirk. And he couldn't get it done, so fuck you. I'm going to sign a picture of me. Because no, you don't have your quarterback anymore. You know what you do have? You have me. Me, the owner of the team. So suck it and like it. (laughs) It would be a really boss troll move. It would be Monty Burnsian from the Simpsons when Homer went to complain about the apples in the vending machine and Monty's like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, Homer. We'll have plenty of apples in the vending machine for you. But it's just another story that you have to say, okay, first of all, has no bearing on the football operations whatsoever. And secondly, who knows exactly how true it is? Maybe partially true, maybe entirely true. But it's a funny story, if that was true. NFL schedule's out. I'm sure you know about it by now. If you listen to me with Bob and Brian in the morning, I begged them to come visit Washington, D.C., to watch the Packers play the Redskins at FedEx Field in week number three. They are lukewarm at that prospect at best. They came and did this trip eight years ago, and the Packers lost that game in overtime after Aaron Rodgers got a concussion, I think on the first possession in OT or maybe right at the end of regulation. And they don't seem to want to come back again. I don't blame them. Our stadium experience currently at FedEx Field is... Easily bottom five, worst experience, worst stadium in the league. Hopefully the new stadium, when it finally gets built, will rectify all of that by its location, its amenities, its design, its size, its parking, its access to uh, public transportation. But there's no guarantees. Currently there's no arguing that FedEx Field and the whole experience is bottom five. And it doesn't help that the team has been mediocre on a clear day and shit on a bad day. So there's that to deal with as well. But I just want Bob and Brian to come visit me here in D.C. That's all. Because who knows how many – I would say odds are that eight years from now, the next time this happens, unless we land on that square that says we're going to play again because we finished the same, that it's a weighted NFC opponent. Odds are eight years from now I won't be doing what I'm doing with Bob and Brian. I, I hope to, but holy crap, 24 years already and counting? It's getting down to it, and I love those guys, and I want them down here. So, And I'll treat them like kings. And I said, I will set up a remote. I will set up an appearance where we'll get a bar, we'll, we'll we'll cordon it off, and all the Packer fans that will travel to D.C., that are Bob and Brian fans, that are fans of mine, will meet at this bar, and I'll hustle up a bunch of Redskin fans that listen to me here in D.C., and we can have a nice meet and greet, or maybe a food fight, or something like that. Of course, I've said all along, the NFL is a TV show about quarterbacks, and the best television episode of the year in the NFL is Packers at Patriots week number nine, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, assuming both men are healthy when that date comes. The worst episode worst episode ever. Ooh, do I have that on my machine? Please tell me I have it. No, I don't. Damn it. Worst episode ever has to be week three, and it's on primetime NFL network, Jets at the Browns. Now, we could have at that game two rookie quarterbacks bumping uglies. (laughs) The Browns will certainly take a quarterback either one or four overall, and the Jets almost certainly will take one of the five QBs as well, uh, sitting in the three spot. But you never know. And who knows if they'll be playing at that time, but that would be the low point. The move-up start times on primetime games is good. I'll take it. It's a 15-minute nudge-up on Monday Night Football from 8.20 to 8.05 or 8.15, 8.30 8.15, something like that. Uh, Slight nudge-up on Thursday and Sunday nights so that they're going to be starting at 8.20 and 8.15. If games go the standard time of three hours, five minutes, which they're currently running, then we should have games finishing, barring overtime, barring reviews, barring injuries, around 11.30 in the East, which is doable. It's that last half hour that just kills you. I'd love to see an 8 o'clock flat start for all primetime games in the East. That would be great. That gives you some wiggle room if a game goes long so that it won't end any later than 11.30. But for those of us that live on the East Coast, once you get to midnight, it starts fucking with everything. By the way, I've got the Packers at 12-4 and four this year, assuming Rodgers stays healthy. That's a pretty ambitious number. They've got a tough stretch of games, very tough stretch in the middle of the season in which they play four games out of five on the road. Two of those four road games are out west uh, at the Rams, who look loaded on paper, and the Seahawks, who are... In decline, but that's a tough place to play, obviously, and a lot of bad blood in that rivalry. And then they got the road game at the Patriots, prime time as well. Four of the four of the five games were in primetime? or no, three of the three of the five games in prime time. Two of them West Coast games, and a, a very tough stretch there in the middle of the season, right after the bye. Still, I got the Packers at twelve and four. Redskins, ah, I feel like they're an eight and eight team. Eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven. I think Alex Smith will be good. I don't think he'll put up the numbers he put up last year in Kansas City. Numbers aren't all the end all be all. You know, give me some time to really dig into the schedule and think, okay, here's where we're at. The one thing about the skin schedule I look at is early on in the first half of the schedule, the first eight games, they have, according to my eyes, three games against teams that they are. A little bit better than and five games against teams they are not as good as were well, you saying you better than me well yeah that's the essence of football right and nobody knows year to year and injuries of course play a massive role but just looking at the schedule okay on paper I think the Redskins are better than the Cardinals even though the Cardinals now have Sam Bradford and we'll see they play them week one on the road in Arizona they play the Colts week two is Andrew Luck gonna be healthy in theory, yes, that's what they keep saying. He still as of this date cannot throw a regulation in NFL football cuz his shoulder is that fucked up. I'm doubtful he'll even be ready. I think that's a bit of a break. The Redskins getting the Colts early. I think Luck might be back mid-season, not early. Then the Redskins have the Packers, Saints, Panthers, Cowboys, Giants, Falcons. The only team in that stretch I think that we are, quote, better than on paper is the Giants. But the Giants may have a total reset season, and they're picking second, and they might take Saquon Barkley. Who knows? But let's just assume the Redskins are a little bit better than the Giants, a little bit better than the Cardinals, and a little bit better than the Colts. That's three games they're better than. Five, they're not. They're not better than the Packers, Saints, Panthers, Cowboys, Falcons. And there's some good quarterbacks in that stretch. Rodgers, Breeze, Cam, Dak, and Matt Ryan. If they don't steal one or two, if they don't outperform according to the on-paper or chalk outline of the first half of the season, they could arrive at week 10, sub-500. They could end up 3-5 and five at that point, and then things get very dicey to try to make the playoffs. I don't like the Redskins playing on Thanksgiving. It's just a thing, especially in Dallas. We're 1-3. The last four games in Dallas on Thanksgiving, we lost in 2016. The one win was 2012 with Super Bob. Uh, the the high point maybe in the last ten years for Redskin fans, Robert Griffin III putting on a show in 2012. They lost in 2002 and they lost in 1996 Thanksgiving games. One and four, one and three. The last four games in Dallas on Turkey Day. Not wild that the bye is in week three either. It's too early. You're not beat up enough. But I guess someone has to start taking buys early, and, well, our buy is early. Changing gears. Sunday, Sunday on the Team 980. If you don't know about it, I do a golf show called the Capital Golf Gang. Change the name from Sunday Tea Time, which was kind of generic and cheesy, to a slightly less cheesy, more specific Capital Golf Gang. It is myself. It is three of my best golf buddies who are also respected in the industry, Uh, and we just talk about golf. We get super-duper nerdy about golf. It airs 9 a.m. on the Team 980. You can uh, dial in. That's 9 o'clock Eastern. You can dial in via the website or the app for the station if you like, Uh, or you can listen. I'm going to start posting the episodes on my SoundCloud account starting this weekend, and you can take a listen. This week we talked, and I'll just give you a quick two-minute snippet. So if you want to fast forward, you're like, oh, golf, for God's sakes. Yes, people, golf. Damn you people, this is golf! You can fast forward a quick little snippet on the question of the greatest round you ever played. Now, before we get into this, and then we'll start with everybody's, you know, what their greatest round they think was, or amongst them. I'll play a soundbite here from a very underrated movie called The Greatest Game Ever Played, based on Francis We Met's stunning U.S. Open victory over the great Harry Varden back in 1908-ish, something something like that. Uh, It was back before Shia LaBeouf lost his mind (laughs) and fell off the face of the earth as an actor. He played a young Francis We Met, and this was the scene after he had pulled off the stunning upset in a Monday 18-hole playoff as Harry Varden, the great Harry Varden, Meets him in the locker room, just the two of them, as they're washing up, getting ready to leave the club.
1: Well played, Mr. Weeman. That was a great game. I enjoyed it. So did I. Yes, you did. (laughs) Congratulations on your success. You deserve it. Thank you. Play
0: again sometime. They were talking about coming over to the states and doing what we always do: beat the Americans. And then a nervous we met says, "So did I." And he jokes, "Yes, you did." Well, that's (laughs) the. I think
1: that's the line that, as an English major, when I dissect these kind of things, that's the line. Yes, you did, which means he saw how much he enjoyed that match. Yes. He that's saw good. that, and yeah. that's something that he probably thinks even to himself, I wish that I had that youthful exuberance. vigor yeah. and exuberance that he had. I love that line.
0: Congrats on your success. You deserve it, and we'll play again sometime. Damn, that, that gives me chills every time. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's Very great. well done. The makers of that movie did a great job with it. So with that as a backdrop, it can be anything. Your greatest round ever played. Ron Thomas. <laughs> All right, speaking of self-promotion, the Daily Zabe is another thing I'm going to roll out here, which is a, a cheat sheet I put out in the morning of stuff I'm likely to talk about either on Bob and Brian or on my show here in D.C., and it's kind of a links service. It's kind of a roundup page. There's any number of websites that already do essentially roundup pages, and I'm not afraid to say that I'm sort of stealing that idea. SI.com does Extra Mustard, I think, is a roundup page. Uh, The Big Lead does a roundup page of stories as well. But at least with this, you know, here's the things that I'm planning on talking about. So if you want to just say, oh, yeah, what was that story you talked about? It'll probably be everyday at Zabe.com on the links page or the daily Zabe. There's a story in there, a column by Nancy Armour in the USA Today, saying there is now no place for cheerleaders anymore in the NFL and of course invoked the hashtag MeToo era that we are living in. It is one of the most childish pieces of writing I've ever seen that contradicts itself and makes sweeping blanket assumptions and, and proposes remedies for basically a handful of cases that have cropped up lately involving cheerleaders complaining about social media double standards when it comes to their employment as cheerleaders on sidelines. I just don't understand how the USA Today doesn't have editors that would tell Nancy Armour, we're not publishing this. This is beneath our standards. This, you need to rethink this. Go take a cold shower, have a nice meal, or a hot shower, have a nice meal, uh, take a walk, and just reset your mind. You're a little bit caught up in internet outrage here. This story is not going to age well. The NFL is now no place cheerleaders. Good. Let's get rid of cheerleaders. Let's get rid of kickoffs. Let's get rid of tackling. Let's let's get rid of the score while we're at it on the scoreboard cuz that's unfair. Speaking of the score, another story about is it time to end the score ticker underneath TV games. Awfulannouncing.com has that to which I say not only is it time, it's long past time. I hate the ticker. I don't want the ticker. I've got a phone Everybody has a phone. We know the scores that we need. We don't need them on TV. Uh, The NCAA has finally closed their former player practice loophole, one that Alabama and Nick Saban was abusing. (laughs) It's funny that that was actually legal up until a certain point where it's like, hey, uh, we've got retired running back so-and-so, or we've got a current running back who wants to come practice. Try tackling him like LSU bringing back Leonard Fournette uh, after the season is over to get ready for a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, no. No, that's going to now be illegal. Tristan Thompson has been buried on the Cavaliers' bench this after this cheating scandal with good old Chloe, who delivered their baby girl lately. I don't know how many minutes he was playing before. It wasn't a ton, but now he is definitely on LeBron and the Cavaliers' shit list. There's a good story about Katie Couric and her Yahoo adventure when she was doing a TV show on Yahoo.com. For like five million dollars a year. And it didn't exactly light the internet on fire. Good decision making there. And there's a good piece about how this upcoming Amazon Prime special on the Cowboys. Shows that Jason Garrett who looks like the most boring milk toast boy scout. When he's in front of the podium is actually pretty potty mouthed. Like yours truly. Says fuck you a lot. And fuck this. And motherfuck that. So I can't wait to watch that. Apparently has some pretty good access, including an exchange in which Jerry and his son, while watching a high school game involving his grandson, marvel at how good the hot dogs are at this particular high school game. I tell you what, I, that hot dog is fantastic. I'm going to buy all these hot dogs. How much could we sell them for at Jerry World? Then there's this little audio snippet. I like it because, well... I too complain about the weather a lot, on the air, and I too probably need a bitch slapping like this Michigan weatherman Gary Frank gave to his television co-workers after one too many groans about his forecast. Come on now, hold on a second. Oh, hold on a second. Uh, it's live radio here. It's a live podcast. There we I think go. It's
1: gonna be a fine. Good. You know, yeah, it'll be fine. All right.
0: Could be worse has been worse well because
1: you guys are dragging me down you guys keep well every time I get done with the seven day you guys are like oh gosh every time doesn't matter what time I come on 4 30 5 30 6 30 and then you expect me to be chipper for five straight hours it's miserable I want you guys to say wow that's great news it's gonna be 60 on Friday Well, I mean, what do you want me to do? Lie to you? I'll put 70 every day next time.
0: (laughs) I'll put 70 every day. day. Man,
1: thank you. Mr. Davis appreciates it. He knows when to bundle up. Yep. Here's some wind. Here's some temperature. 20s. Feels like 19 or feels like 70. I don't know. 47, partly cloudy. Southwest breeze, 10 to 15. Here's a 60. I don't know if that's good enough for you guys. Get excited. Maybe I'll disappoint you with the seven-day here in a few minutes.
0: Ooh. <laughs> and then he walks off the set. Hey, you live in Michigan, people. Don't expect much. Keep your expectations for the weather low, and you will not be disappointed. couple of quick emails here, and then we'll wrap it up today. This one from Dave Hudach. Zabe, I love the Daily Zabe cast. I try to listen often, but I find it Sometimes hard to get in one every day. It means I've got my catch-up list for those times when I can then binge listen. It's interesting how the ZabeCast give you the freedom to chat with guests and discuss topics without the constraints of time and content. It's very cool. I know. I like doing it. It really hit me listening to you and Mr. X when you did that episode before the Super Bowl. Oh, glad you liked that one. And I give you a lot of credit for being disciplined to do these pretty much every day. It's a credit to your professionalism and how you have always approached your shows. Well, I'd say my everyday obsession is like once I get to a certain level of days in a row, then it bugs the shit out of me if I go, nah, you know what? I'm going to take a day off. I really get obsessed with, okay, got to do one. And I do like doing them. Anyway, he says, the reason I'm writing is to suggest that you are just this close to turning the Zabe cast into a video. Zabe talk show. Yes, go from audio to a full talk show approach. I'm sure it'd be a big deal, a lot of planning, cameras, lights, microphones, not to mention time. But maybe you could do baby steps in your way to shooting some video segments and presenting them pretty much uncut and raw. I think the dynamics of this freeform approach would help to refine the process and tighten up the end result. I've always said that you are truly one of the best interviewers in the business. I can see you doing some type of visual show at some point. Give it some thought, Steve. Sincerely, Dave Hudach. I have given it some thought. Oh, I have ideas. My one dilemma is always... What dudes, because I'm a dude-oriented product, although ladies who listen, what's up, ladies? How are you? Thanks for for joining us. Even though we are a dude product, what dudes want to look at a dude talking? Like, do you really want to look at me that much? Okay. If we had some good eye candy for the show, you know, like like a Christine Leahy, Colin Coward's news gal. I'm not saying she's just eye candy, but she is. Hmm, easy on the eyes. Then maybe we would have an argument for that. I do have some other video concepts in mind, but let's just let's just make sure I don't miss a day doing this shit, okay? Email from Andy Scott in Minnesota, Zabe, loyal one percenter and infrequent emailer, big fan of the new Zabe casts. I love getting the extra content and your commitment to good audio as in ISDN or in-person interviews, it's great. Your guests are great as well. I've even learned to like the notorious J-A-Y after several shows. Well, good. I love it when I win people over to certain guests. One suggestion, though, for the show, do more like Wednesdays with Bob and Brian. It's a timeless episode, you guys talking about Deadwood and the word cocksucker, that doesn't rely on last night's sporting events. Pure gold. No big deal if I'm a week late and catching up on the episodes when I hear those. Keep it up. Hashtag band replay. Sincerely, Andy Scott. In Minnesota yeah I'll try to do more of that I want these to be timeless sometimes I'll take an incident oh excuse me thank you computer sometimes I'll take an incident from the night before that I think has timeless qualities to it or timeless concepts and expound upon it like we need to do a whole episode on uh Justice Winslow stepping on and breaking Joel Embiid's plastic face mask in what I call a TDM, total douche move. Like, really, really, guy. Like, that's what you're gonna do? ha. Uh-huh. your mask fell. <clears throat> I just stepped on it. That's not so much dependent on the score or who had how many points. It's a it's a conceptual thing. Like, what other douche moves have you seen in sports, pro, amateur, or whatnot? Uh, Sixers 128, Heat 108. That series now 2-1 Philadelphia. And they look like they're rolling. All right. One more. This one from Clay Crowell. Zabe, I live in Tampa, so I'm pulling for the Lightning, obviously. But after every Caps goal last night, I found myself thrusting my fist in the air. Well, I'm glad that's where you're thrusting it, in the air and nowhere else. The Caps are my girl on the side. All because of your radio show. Let's go, Caps. Sincerely, Clay Crowell. You know what? We should all have sports gumars. We should all have sports girlfriends. Our little mistresses on the side. Our side teams that we deny to our friends. I don't root for them. No, no. Well, I saw you the other night on social media. I saw you had a hat. What's that all about? No, no, no. Not, I'm not dating them. I barely know that girl. I just talk to her every now and then. I think we all have that, and I think we should we should all have that. All right, let's end on this today. This is one of the biggest ha ha stories I've seen in a long time. <laughs> when it comes to entitled, uh, haughty little millennials in college, righteous social justice warrioring millennials in college. This is fucking. Great. Dateline, New York. When a group of New York University students began occupying the staircase of a campus building last week, they initially planned to stay indefinitely, or at least until their demands for a meeting with the school's board of trustees was granted. This is the equivalent these days of a child throwing himself to the ground in the checkout aisle at the supermarket if he doesn't get a candy bar. Instead, the students departed within 40 hours after the university called their parents, (laughs) warning of possible suspensions that could then lead to loss of financial aid and, more importantly, the loss of housing. The phone calls, which a memo from the Student Government Assembly described as an act of, quote, administrative recklessness. Most of us adults who pay the bills call it an act of fucking awesome. Startled both students and some parents and has ignited a debate about how universities should treat campus protesters. Oh, I think this is the perfect treatment. I mean, in a perfect world, I would want Giant fire hoses to just hose out the students, you know, and say, get out of here. You know, you could protest. You're not going to stop business by occupying offices and blocking stairwells. But this is the next best thing. Call your daddy. Call your mommy who are paying an outrageous amount of money to send you here and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, If you don't leave, you could get suspended. And then there goes your very cheap student housing in otherwise expensive New York City. As the post on Barstool Sports said, and this is great, quote, if there's a better, more concise profile of the 2018 college student protester than this, I'd be shocked to see it. So much courage, so much determination, a deep desire to inspire change in the world and fight the injustice of too much homework and culturally appropriated cafeteria food. The real world, they write on Barstool, is going to be a motherfucker when you occupy your boss's office until your demands of having input into the company's investment strategies are met, only to promptly have your paycheck canceled, benefits cut, and you find yourself instantly replaced by another employee who wants to do your job. Bravo. Call mom and dad. That'll be it for today. Thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends and your mom and your dad. Leave a positive review, download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, and more. And as Yogi Berra once said, 90% of the game is 50% mental, or maybe the other way around. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.